<laughs> my mask is caught. Good morning, everybody. My name is Paul. If you don't know who I am, we are so glad that you are here this morning. I am the pastor here at Cross Point Fellowship. We are glad that you've joined us. You know, August is a tough month for us. It's the month that everybody goes on vacation. You mix that with the fact that the coronavirus is still the coronavirus, and our numbers have been hurt a little bit the last couple of weeks. But what I hope that means is that you are joining us live online. We are so glad that you are doing that. We want to say hello to you. We hope that this finds you well and that you all are doing well and that you're healthy. You know, that's a great song, Nathan. That is probably my favorite country song of all time. Uh, did you know that? You didn't know that. No, well, it's, listen, that's my favorite Blake Shelton song. Maybe Austin. Austin's really, have you ever heard Austin? No. P.S. This is Austin and I still love you. You've never no, heard? I'm Look it up, Phil. Okay. Look it Sorry. up, Phil. It will rock your socks off. The, Blake Shelton's two best songs early in his career. No offense, Blake. You're still Blake Shelton. Uh, <laughs> you know, you put that song and then pretty much any Garth Brooks song and I'm wearing and ready to go because that's just how I am. Uh, but... I, uh, yeah, online, if you're watching us online, unfortunately, you don't get to hear those songs, so. Which is the reason you should join us in person for the very first three minutes of song that we sing. We hope that you'll be here next week and not miss it. Uh, but anyways, yes, Nathan sang Austin. No, he didn't sing Austin. <laughs> oh my God. Sing the song. No, I'm just kidding. Don't sing the song. No, no, stop it. Cop copyright. Copyright. Okay, I'm all over the place. ADHD is a real thing in case you were wondering. Uh, we are going to stand up. We're going to worship right now. I'm going to pray for us first. We, again, are so glad you joined us. Stand with us and worship once we're done here. Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come and just lay ourselves at your feet and worship the almighty God. Lord, we pray that in this time right now that you would come and that you would meet with us, that your spirit would fill this place and that we would have no doubt when we left today that the spirit was here and that we had a very real and present meeting with you. God, we love you so much. We thank you for all that it is that you've done for us as we continue to study your word each week and continue to just hopefully learn and grow and, and further our walk with you, God. We, we just want to praise you for everything it is that you do and who you are and how you change our lives. Let this time of worship just be our offering to you right now, Lord. May you accept it as something that is pleasing to your ear and God, we just lift our song up to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Stand and worship with us.
and walk to him. I'm going to teach you a new song this morning. It's called Holy Water. singing that with us. Have a seat. Oh, man. The mask. It'll get you every time. I'm just going to sit here like this. That's fine. I'll figure it out in a minute. I look normal. Uh, it's okay. Me again. Uh, so Jake Wilburn's not here today, so I'm going to be handling announcements. And I don't really know of any announcements that I necessarily need to make. Is there anything pressing that somebody needs to yell at me because I didn't do a very good job of making sure I had everything. No? Good. Okay, this is what I will tell you. I do have this announcement. 
Jarek and I are going to start reading through the Bible. And when I say start reading through the Bible, we're going to go cover to cover over the next year. We're going to start that on Monday. Uh, we're going to do that, me and her together, because I just think it'll be good for us. And it's something I haven't done in a while, and I don't know if she's ever done. She probably has because she's holier than I am. Uh, and likes God more than, that's not true. That's a bad thing to say. I'm going to rewind that and not actually let that come out of my mouth. But I will share that reading plan with you and we kind of create it. We're going to go through the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, so if you want to follow along, if that's something you think you want to try to do with us, uh, just know that we'll start that tomorrow. I'll put it again on our Facebook page. I'll try to share it in the uh, band app as well. And I don't know if there's a way to put it on our church track page, but we'll try to get it everywhere that we possibly can just so you can kind of do that and follow along. I'm not making any other promises other than that. I'll try to be encouraging to you. You can be encouraging to me. I'm sure from time to time I'll share something that hits home especially hard that we've looked at there. Uh, speaking of the Version Bible app, this is the first time in weeks and weeks and weeks that we have our service in the app because the issues that were there seem to have been miraculously fixed finally. Uh, so if you like to do that, if you go to your Version Bible app, you follow along. If you can go to live events and you search for Crosspoint Fellowship, you will find our logo and it will say Crosspoint Fellowship or Public Missouri. And you can follow along. It will have all of the scripture listed as well as the main points there. And there's a place for you to take notes if that's something that you desire to do. So that should be there for you this morning. Outside of that, I have no other announcements to make. We are going to take a connection break. Uh, this one has been planned. The kids are going to go to their small group area. They will be outside today with Miss Chelsea. And uh, so if you want to send your kids over during this time, introduce yourself to somebody you don't know or just talk to people you do know. Let's try to keep the whole six feet of distance. I think that's a good rule. If somebody's too close, all you have to do is say, get back! Uh, as loud as you possibly can so we all know that somebody got too close to you and we can all look on them with judgment. Um, we're going to take our connection break. We're going to have five minutes to do so. Use the restroom. Uh, if you need to use the restroom during this time or use it any time you need to use it because we don't control you. I'm going to stop talking now. In three, two, one, go. Well, good morning. We are so glad. I'm going to say it again. We are so glad that you have joined us here this morning. We are in week three of our series titled Rebuilding Blocks, Lessons from Ezra. We have been looking at the book of Ezra. We are going to be in chapter 9, verses 1 through 3 this morning this morning. Now, the importance of purity is something that cannot be understated for the Christian. Uh, in order to ensure that we are living a life that's not only aligned with the biblical teachings of God, but also with his determined purpose for our lives. Now, again, I said we're going to be in Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. This, this small passage precedes our passage from last week. This is the reason why Ezra was seeking forgiveness from God, right? The repetitive sin of Israel. It takes place again prior to that passage, and we discover that the people of Israel have once again defiled themselves by disobeying God's command not to marry outside of the nation of Israel. And so we're going to look at the importance of purity today and exactly what this passage means because there's so many people that like to take passages like this when God is talking to the Israelites and saying that you should stay married within the Israelites to say that we shouldn't have, you know, interracial marriage or mixed marriages or anything like that. And so that's not what God is saying at all. And we're going to address that as well. But we're just going to look at the lessons we can learn from this short passage. Ezra 9, 1 through 3 says this, after these things had been done, the leaders came to me and said, the people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, have kept themselves separate from the neighboring, have, sorry, peoples have not, that's important, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring peoples with their detestable practices, like those of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. I feel like a rapper. They have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons, and they have mingled the holy race with peoples around them. And the leaders and the officials have led the way in this unfaithfulness. So lots of heavy stuff here to unpack. But first and foremost, the first lesson that I think we can pull from this is this. Our life, the way that we live our life, is an encouragement to our fellow Christians. Our lives is an encouragement to our fellow Christians. Now, that encouragement can be good or it can be bad right? We can encourage people to do good things, to live godly lives, or we can encourage people to do bad things and step outside of that line of what, what, what is godly and what isn't. In the case of the Israelites, in, in this instance, we see bad encouragement, bad encouragement. So leaders had come to Ezra and they said, Ezra, we just got out of captivity, right? We finally got back to the, the promised land, the land that God had said that we should come to. Everything is going so well, but... 
now we've got a large portion of our people. That's the thing we have to understand. It wasn't like there was a small few. It was a large portion of the Israelites. We've got a large portion of our people who are making this bad decision to marry outside of the Israelites. And he goes on to say, what's worse, it's not just the common people, right? It's not just the, the average churchgoers, so to speak. It's the Levites and it's the priests. It's our religious leaders. It's our religious leaders. So it wouldn't just be like you guys coming in on Sunday and a few of us here in the congregation are making ungodly choices. It would be like you coming in on Sunday and Phil and I are leading you in this ungodly way of life, right? And, and we're teaching wrong things and we're setting a bad example. And so this is what's happened to the Israelites. And the thing that we have to understand from this is our lives are an encouragement to others. Our lives are an encouragement to others. See, what's happening here is the perfect example of herd mentality, Herd mentality, right? The idea that when you're part of a large group of people, it's easier to follow along with what that large group of people is doing. So if you find yourself in a large group of people and that group of people is doing unholy things, not good things, marrying, in this instance, people outside of the nation of Israel, it becomes easier for you to say, well, they're doing it, so I think I'll do it too. They're doing it, so I think I'll do it too. Well, they're lying, so it's okay if I tell a little bit of a lie, right? This is one of those attitudes that Christians have a lot of times that is so far outside of what is biblically correct, where the Bible tells us that we should love our neighbors as ourselves, but we look at a group of people and we say, well, they're doing this, so it's okay if I do this, right? It's okay if I do this. They're speaking out against me, so it's okay if I speak out against them. They're doing something that I think is not very loving, so I'm going to do something that's not loving back, right? Not loving back. And we do that quite a bit. But we have to understand that this works vice versa too, right? If we have a group of holy people who are holy believers and striving to, to follow and obey God, then they can have influence on the others in their herd, so to speak, and the others around the herd to, to follow in that right path and to do that right thing. And so the way you live your life, day in and day out, is an encouragement to the other Christians and the other believers that live life alongside you. Especially if you have children. Right? Or a younger sibling. Or a spouse. It's, it's one thing to kind of live in isolation, to be a single individual with no responsibility necessarily to anyone else, which we'll find actually isn't the case for any of us. But it's another thing to, to live every day side by side with another person and have that type of influence on them. We have a responsibility, a responsibility to live life to the holiest possible standard that we can for one another, to strive purity until, for purity until we obtain it. Here's the thing, and we may not like it. We may not like it. In fact, I guarantee that the, most, the majority of us don't like it. But I have an obligation. I have an obligation, a duty, to live life in a way that encourages you to follow the teachings of God and to align your life with his purposes for you individually and for all of us as a whole. And you have a duty and you have an obligation to live your life in that very same exact manner. Because the minute that we step outside of that line of thinking, the minute that we are unwilling to take responsibility for some, the minute we're unable to take responsibility for someone else, right, we, we get ourselves in danger of compounding our sin. Can you make decisions for someone else? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But can you take responsibility for the fact that your actions are an encouragement to them, good or bad? Yes, you can. Yes, you can, and you should. And if you want to align yourself with God and with his teachings, then you will. Then you will. Because the minute we step outside of that, then we are in danger of not only leading others astray, but that act in and of itself becomes a sin. And so now we compound our sin. Not only are we sinning by not following the commands of God, but we're also sinning by leading others into that sin. And that not only compounds the issue, but I think that that makes God infinitely more angry, believe it or not. Kind of like when Jesus is talking to the people and he says, hey, anyone who leads one of these little children astray, better to have a millstone tied around their neck and for them to be dropped in the ocean, right? It would be better for them to be forcefully drowned than to lead someone else into sin. 
So understand your responsibility there. If we look at Matthew 15, 13 through 16, it says that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, this is one of those passages where Jesus is talking to the people about their responsibility to be the salt, right, to season life around them. That gets kind of scary because he says, if you can't do this, if you no longer are seasoning the world around you, if you no longer are making an impact to the world around you for me, if you're not sprinkling Jesus all over everyone's life recipe, so to speak, man, I'm good with this stuff. I'm kidding, right? Uh, if you're not sprinkling Jesus all over the place, then you're no good. I might as well throw you out. Might as well throw you on the floor to be trampled on. That's when stuff gets scary because if we're not having that impact for Jesus, then it's time for us to go, I guess. It's time for us to go. Passage goes on to say in 14 and 15 and 16, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So understand that your life is an encouragement to others. And the decisions you make determine whether it's good encouragement or bad encouragement. You will either be the salt that keeps its saltiness and salts the stuff, or you'll be tossed on the floor and trampled on. And if you are the light of the world, if you have the light of Jesus in your life, then that light cannot be hidden, and you should not try to hide it, and in no way, shape, or form should you ever walk at any point in any place without shedding that light on the world. Second thing that we learn from this passage, and it's kind of the flip side of our coin, right, is this, keep good company. Keep good company. You know, the Israelites who found themselves falling into the bad way of life, who found themselves mingling with, with people outside of the nation of Israel and marrying those people, I guarantee were people who had other people in their lives who were doing the same exact thing. And like I said, it's kind of the flip side of our coin. Not only should we be a good encouragement to others, but we need to be around people that are a good encouragement to us. We could not possibly hope to surround ourselves with people not living a godly way of life and expect for us to remain living a godly life. And you need to hear me on this because I'm not talking about having relationships necessarily with non-believers or non-Christians that are just like, hey, I work with people, so like I'm supposed to stay away with the guy I work with that's a Muslim, or I'm supposed to stay away with the guy I work with that, that doesn't think the way that I do. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that when you surround yourselves all the time, with the majority of your time, with people that are not living for God, don't think that you somehow are going to come out on top of that scenario. It is pretty close to impossible. Pretty close to impossible. God's big issue here, and I want everybody to hear this about this passage. God's big issue here was not that people were marrying others that were outside of their nationality, right? It wasn't that they were marrying people that were different nationality. It's not that they were marrying people that had different skin tones or different races. It was that the Israelites were marrying outside of the religion. Moses, if we look at his wife, she was not an Israelite, Okay. She was somebody that would have had a different nationality and a different skin tone. And God considered that relationship still holy because her heart was where it needed to be with him. And that's the issue that God has. You see, when we marry somebody outside of our religion or when we have these foundational relationships with people that are outside of our way of life, then it, it just becomes infinitely more difficult for us to stick to it. In no way, shape, or form is God saying that we can't love people of a different religion or from a different place in the world, or that we can't have relationships with people of different religions or different backgrounds. But what you need to understand about all these people groups that the Israelites were intermingling with is this. They had a different moral foundation and a different end goal in mind, and they weren't serving the same God. If you will, they hadn't identified the same purpose for their life. So anytime we surround ourselves with others that have, don't have the same identified purpose that we do, we are risking being knocked off our path in our goal of achieving that purpose. Marriage 
is a foundational relationship in life. It's a foundational relationship in life. And we have other relationships that are foundational in our life. Right? My wife, I would consider her my best friend, or at least one of them. I have my, a best friend named Alec, which he's been at our church a couple times. I don't expect you to remember him, but he has been a great encouragement for me in my life. And in fact, he was probably on the wrong side of this relationship when we first started becoming friends because he was the good, positive Christian influence, and I was the knucklehead out there marrying people outside of the Israelites, if that makes sense. Right? I was living life not on a godly path. I would not have been considered good encouragement. But he always was. And he is a foundational relationship in my life. And it's great to have him because he's not afraid, like Jerrica is not afraid to say, how are you doing right now? What's wrong? Are you struggling? How's your relationship with God? Is there something I can pray with you about? Or I need you to pray with me for this issue, right? Those foundational pieces in our life, those relationships that are closest for us, we need to make sure that we are living in those relationships with people who have identified the same exact purpose. The same exact purpose. I feel like I should say this too. If you have a spouse that you say, well, my spouse is not living for the same purpose that I am. He hasn't identified or she hasn't identified that same goal. And it's too late for you. And what I mean by that is this. You don't get to go home and now say, well, my pastor said today that I'm supposed to be married to somebody who's identified the same purpose as me and living the same life that I want to live. And you're not doing that. So now we're going to get a divorce. And it's okay because my pastor said so. Because I'll call you out on that stuff because it's nonsense and you're a knucklehead and you shouldn't live life that way because you're wrong. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Identify that beforehand and don't get married, young people. But if you've already yoked yourself with that person, you are yoked, okay? You are yoked. You are together. And so you're going to have to use a lot of prayer and a lot of grace and a lot of patience. And you're going to have to really stick to your guns to ensure that you are good encouragement and that you don't allow them to become bad encouragement. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I could also say that a negative outlook corrupts a positive outlook. Or a grumpy disposition corrupts a happy one. Or a bevy of complaints will snuff out an attitude of gratitude. And I could go on and I could go on and I could go on. But what I will tell you is this. None of us can be expected to carry a relationship all by ourselves. Every relationship has at least two parties involved. And it's important that we are working towards whatever goal that we've identified for that relationship. Okay, even if it's just we're going to be really good friends to one another. It's important that both of you are working towards that goal, right, and have identified the same purpose for that relationship to be successful and for it not to lead you astray or to some place that you don't want it to lead you because, again, we have the responsibility to live according to the teachings of God the Father and to the purpose that he's identified for our lives. You know, there's a, a, a verse that says a rising tide or a, a rising ship. Or, somebody tell me. I had it before I just tried to say it. There you go. I was close. A rising tide lifts all boats. That is a saying that I apparently didn't know, that I thought I knew. A rising tide lifts all boats, but it can't lift those boats if those boats are on fire. Okay? Understand? It can't lift all boats if the boats are on fire. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do the righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can have light? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Foundational relationships in our lives, again I will say, must equally share the burden of following Christ must equally strive for the purity that Christians are called to. And it's important that anything that takes away from our purity, anything that takes away from us being as holy as we possibly can, is removed. Is removed. We need to make sure we're on the same page with the same goals. We can't possibly leave room 
for the fact that we may somehow be led away from our walk with Christ, which is exactly what happened to the Israelites in this passage, which is exactly what happened to the Israelites on numerous occasions because they didn't follow the commands of God in this particular area. And so often it led to their downfall and it will lead to your downfall as well. It will lead to your downfall as well. The third thing that I think we learn from this passage is this, that we as Christians have to stay strong to our convictions. We as Christians have to stay strong in our convictions. See, 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. See, you have to be strong to the commitment that I'm going to be the influencer. I'm not going to be influenced. Say that again. You have to stay strong to the commitment that I'm going to be the influencer. I'm not going to be influenced. I'm going to admit something. I probably shouldn't admit as your pastor. I struggle with being too easily influenced. I struggle with being too easily influenced. I can walk into a room with people not doing godly things, not saying godly things, not living life in a godly way, and it's real easy for me to join in. I can be in a circle where people are gossiping and want to hear it every bit as bad as they do and want to share the things that I know. And when I think about it, it is embarrassing, embarrassing. And frankly, I may be blushing right now. I don't know because I feel like I could be because it's not my job and it's not my duty to fit in with every other puzzle piece. It's my job to walk into a room and reshape how the puzzle looks. That makes sense. And make people fit around me. But more importantly, fit around my God. And if I find myself in those situations, it should be my duty, it should be my goal to either keep my mouth closed or try to bring positivity into the room or leave the room if I find myself unable to do that. We have to strive to remain pure, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And we can't let outside influences outshine our Jesus. We cannot let outside influences outshine our Jesus. At all times, Jesus in us and through us should be the brightest light in the room. And it should outshine and outweigh any darkness that may be present. And if these outside influences are outshining our Jesus, then we either need to remove those outside influences or we need to remove ourselves from that place of temptation. You know, as people, we're dynamic. We're dynamic. You know, there's a work me and there's a home me and there's a church me and there's a leisure me and there's a just fill in the blanks, right? And that's not a bad thing. Right? If we acted the same in every situation that we were ever in, it would be weird. As Winifred likes to tell me so often, you're weird. Like it would be weird if we were the same way when we got home that we were at work, if we couldn't turn it off and we acted the same way with our spouse as we did with our coworkers. Hopefully you're not doing that because one way or the other, it's bad. So it's okay that there's differences in the way that we act based on the situation that we're in. But one thing should always remain constant, and that's that all the me's, the work me, the home me, the out in public me, the at church me, all the me's are centered in a foundation that's built in him. Because the one thing that can't change from place to place is that God is still our God. And Jesus is still our Savior. And it's okay to be a little more relaxed on vacation than you would be in your normal, everyday life. And it's okay to be more comfortable at home than you are in the workplace. And it's okay to have, you know, jokes between you and your friends when you're out with friends that maybe you wouldn't have with other people. But just make sure that we're not losing our foundation. 
that we're not leaving one foundation for another just so we can fit into a place better. Because I think that that's a struggle that we all can have. Our purity, our purity must be held above all else. Our purity must be held above all else. That should be our goal. That no matter what I face, what I do, who I come in contact with, how my life is currently treating me, my purity, my focus on remaining holy, my focus on living my life for God, for Jesus, is going to remain the same. We have a duty. It's our job. You are responsible to others and to your God to live a life that doesn't stray to the right or to the left, but remains focused on the end goal, which hopefully for you is the same as it is for me, to one day stand before God in heaven and say, hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. May say some other things, you're a bit of a knucklehead, Boy, did I have to show you a lot of grace. But in the end, I can look you in the face and say, I know who you are. Well done, good and faithful servant. Keep what's important, important. Or as my grandfather used to say all the time, it's important that we keep the main thing, the main thing. It's important that we keep the main thing, the main thing. And our main thing in every situation, in every scenario, should be to be like Jesus to take pride in the label of Christian, little Christ, and to emulate him in everything that we do and in everything that we say and how we live our lives. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are and for the fact that you do show us grace because we are a bunch of screw-ups, and we know that. We know that we need you, God, and we need you so very, very much. But you are faithful, to those that don't deserve your faith. And you will forgive those who seek your forgiveness. Lord, my prayer for today is that you just help us align our focus with yours and the focus that you would have for our life so that maybe, just possibly, we need grace a little less because we aren't sinning as much, because our focus is one that is holier, Lord, help us to lay anything this morning, today, right now, that is getting in the way of our holiness, anything that's separating us from you, help us to lay that at your feet during this time. I lift up each and every single person that's here in this room today and each and every single person that is watching online, God, and I just pray for them specifically, God, that you would help them have a heart, help them have a heart that strives to just mimic Jesus's and to love people and to love sinners without loving the sin. We ask for your power and for your courage and for the resolve that only you can give. And we ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to worship because that's what this time is for. But if you need to pray with somebody, I would be honored if that somebody was me. We can pray about anything that you could possibly want to pray about. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I am a 100% judgment-free zone. If there's a sin in your life, there's a very good chance that it was at least once a sin in my life if it's still not somewhat of a struggle today. Okay, if you want to talk about salvation, don't leave this room today because none of us, if we've learned anything during this crazy time, it's that none of us are guaranteed another minute for whatever may be the cause. So don't let yourself leave this room today without seeking to find Jesus. If you would like to become a member of our church Talk to me about that too. We can talk about that after church briefly. There's a short process we kind of have to go through, but it's a simple 
pain-free, easy one. And we would be honored for you to come and become a member of Crosspoint Fellowship. Otherwise, stand with us now. Just pour your heart out to Jesus. Let's worship. I'll be right over here if you need me.
sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope, with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested, was redeemed, only beauty So it's not, it's not a, life begins, um, life does begin at, at conception and at, and at birth in one way, but there's a new life, there's a second life, right, that begins when we choose to accept Christ and, and choose to become uh, his own and, and his son and his daughter. He adopts us into his family. Um, let's, we're going to sing the rest of this song, but when we um, sing that part about how life begins with you, um, I just want to think about what we've read this morning and about how God is um, setting us apart, is, is keeping us separate um, from the rest of the world as his own. Um, life begins with him. True life um, begins because we know him, because we are his own. Let's sing this last verse together. I see your display on a criminal's cross. The darkness rejoices though heaven and he rose but then Jesus rose with all the freedom he that's when
Bible says we have passed from death into life um, because of him. And, uh, and he was the first to do it, um, uh, conquered death, beat death, uh, and rose to new life. And we enjoy that with him as well. Um, and that's why we are set apart. That's why we are holy, uh, pure. Uh, he makes us that way. Let's sing one more song uh, this, this morning, a uh, song, song we've been singing the last few weeks and um, has really gotten into my head, got into my spirit, and I hope it has for you too. It's called See You the Victory. falls won't prevail cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph my God will never fail oh my God will never fail I'm gonna see victory I'm gonna see
like to pray for us before we go. Um, let me go ahead and pray. And then uh, if, if I failed to say this earlier, but if you have a, a tithe that you'd like to give in person, we have a way for you to do that in the back. There's a, a box back there um, where, where you can give online. I think most of you do that. Um, let's pray together. God, um, I'm so thankful that you have made us pure and holy. We could not do that on our own. We, that is something we explicitly need you for. We could not right our own wrongs. We could not justify ourselves in your eyes. You sent your son as a sacrifice, as a, as a uh, propitiation to step in the way of, of wrath and, and catch that for us and to, to instead, instead uh, send us grace and mercy and forgiveness and everything that we need that we cannot muster on our own. And Lord, um, help us to, to encourage each other in these things, to, to, to walk the way that you walked, uh, to, to encourage other people to walk that way as well, to not be influenced by those who are around us. We need your help with that, Lord, and because it's so easy just to follow the trend. God, I pray that, that you would make Crosspoint Fellowship people um, set apart and different from the world, uh, encouraging them, leading them to you as opposed to being led the other direction. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for this worship that has encouraged our hearts and for your word that has uh, spurred us on to good deeds and has uh, demanded things of us. Um, I love that about you. You're always doing that. So God, help us to respond. Help us to get into the word daily. Um, uh, maybe just, just to do this uh, daily, walk through the entire Bible with, uh, with the huffs and, and, and just pour into you daily, God, and be changed by you. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks for being here uh, this morning. We're going to continue the Ezra series um, again into next week. Uh, be sure to invite uh, people around you and, um, and be an influencer, uh, not one who's influenced this week. Um, you can come back and tell the story about what God's done. We'll see you then.